Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Robbie Gannon, Adam Holt, Derek Wright, Chris Casey, Trail Mayor Hates Honeysuckle, and all of our Patreon supporters. And of course, why would we even do this podcast if it wasn't for you? Yes, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Zach, we have a lot to talk about. A lot. This is, this is we got a lot to cover in this interview. Thank you for, for taking some time out of your very busy day to join me. So, it's great having oh, you on. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be. I mean, you can tell I'm excited to be on because I'm missing my beloved Lions game. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, no, I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, talk some running. Talk some wrestling. Uh, it'll be fun. Um, I want to say that as we're recording this podcast, it is the kickoff of the NFL season, and and your Detroit Lions are taking on the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So I can see why you didn't turn this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's usually pretty rough to watch the Lions, especially in a game like this. But uh, I I have high hopes, as I do at the beginning of every season. So <laughs> we'll see. It's good to know they'll be out of the playoff contention by the third quarter. So then you want those right, 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 right. I can I can relax. You know, it's so funny you bring that up because I don't know about you, and yes, folks, we will get to running at some point. But I find that when I watch football that I have no vested interest in, right? Like I don't root for the team. I don't know anyone on the team. I have no personal connection. It is so much more relaxing than watching a game where you have been rooting for that team your whole life or you know someone on that team. Like football games that are played between teams you don't care about are way less stressful. Yeah, you can just enjoy it. It's it's fun. I'm emotionally invested in enough stuff in my life. I, I sometimes just want to relax. <laughs> my, my my younger brother played college football, and we would go to his games. And it was so crazy to watch, to be in the stands and watch college football when your brother's out there playing. And I will never forget one time he dropped a pass because he was a he was a wide receiver. He dropped a pass, and the person in the stands next to me goes, God, that number 12 sucks. <laughs> That's my 
my brother. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, moving on. Um, one of the things I noticed that you and I have in common, you are also a coffee snob. You tagged me in a post of you making some coffee, but a story on Instagram. You, sir, are a coffee snob. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't get me started, man. This can turn into the, the coffee nerd podcast pretty quick. But uh, yeah, I made a nice uh, pour over before this, uh, before this podcast to make sure I uh, stayed up. I was never like a coffee snob person until my cousin, who is from the Seattle area, came to visit and got me on the pour over. And I was I like, oh, my God, where is this? Where has this been all my life? I know, right? There's, uh, I would say, like we get a few things, right, that we're allowed mm-hmm. to be yes. very picky about, and and uh, I don't have many, but coffee is one of them. It's one of my joys each morning to to have a nice cup of coffee, and if I'm going to have something every day, um, it's worth the, the investment for me to uh, to make it good. I agree. I have I have a pour over. I have a French press. I also have the standard drip. I also have the 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 the, the stove top espresso machine that you could that you can make the oh, espresso like the, the mocha pot situation yes, i have yeah. that i have a keurig i have an espresso and so i have like six ways to make coffee in the house and uh i even got the hand grinder so i even have the <laughs> me too yeah I, I got the hand grinder i usually go aeropress or pour over <laughs> um but you got to have different settings on the grinder for each one to make sure you get the right yeah that's uh i'm i'm, I'm glad uh i have a kindred spirit here. <laughs> i know is i remember when i got that thing i'm like this is great because you can really dial in the grind you can get it just about perfect where the electric ones i mean you pretty much get one one type of grind from an electric grinder but yeah that- yeah and there's no uniformity to it some are finer than others and and it's the, the hand grinder is like just enough ritual in the morning to be relaxing and yes. to feel like i truly made my coffee and it gives me time to kind of collect myself before i start the day and usually before i go out for my morning run it's a nice little ritual i do it coming back from my run i, I wake up first thing in the morning and i'll go out for my run and i'll come back and make coffee but you talk about the ritual and i i, I for the longest my whole my whole life i made it the easy way you just throw scoops in the in the old Mr. Coffee machine, and then yeah. six minutes later, you got a pot of black coffee. But as as I kind of went down this coffee rabbit hole, I wanted something in my life that was difficult. Well, not easy, like because you know running is difficult, right? I like running in my life because running is difficult. It's not easy. Ultra marathons are not easy. It's difficult, and I think we need just a handful of things in our life that involve some work. And not just mindless scooping and pouring, but more of that ritual, like you mentioned. That's yeah. I mean, there's a well, there's a lot to unpack here, Ryan. This is, uh, you know, I I think it's uh, more difficult, but more rewarding. Like you said, just like um, a lot of the endeavors that are worthwhile, like like running. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you a light roast or a dark roast guy? Uh, I tend to go medium. Mm-hmm. I used to be dark roast until I started getting into I guess better beans, better coffee, and yeah. I realized if it's roasted a little more on the the medium side, or or I don't like it too light, but you can actually taste a little more complexity to the mm-hmm. flavor as opposed to just tasting roasty. Right? Yeah. If you roast it being dark, it just tastes dark. Right. It's like a people. It's like the easy way. If you roast it dark, you can basically cover up all the sins because you yes, just you just exactly. roast all the flavor out of it. Yep. The best cheap coffee that you've found, Zach, in your coffee snobbery. 
oh, the best cheap, you know, um, like for like a store bought, you know, coffee shop, grocery store brand, Tim Hortons is surprisingly okay, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I, I would drink Tim Hortons over a lot of like Starbucks blends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a Sam's Club membership, Sam's sells a coffee. You, it's two pounds for eleven dollars, and it's called Pablo's Pride, Guatemalan, okay. like a like a mid like a medium roast. It is the best coffee I've found. That's cheap. <clears throat> I will check that out. Pablo's Pride. Good old Pablo's Pride. It's got flavor okay. to it. It's 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 got a nice. It's it's not acidic, so it's got a nice finish to it. It's really, really good. I think you. I think you'd enjoy it. I'll have to check that out. And two pounds for eleven bucks. I mean, that's yeah, like they're giving it away. Right, right. <laughs> it's. Um, I mean, a lot of times you're talking, you know, eighteen, twenty bucks for twelve ounces mm-hmm. with, with a lot of the specialty stuff. So yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. Now under running, <clears throat> we got that out of the way. I think people. Yeah. Listen, I. I know. I think there's there's a connection in the two. We talked about the the whole yeah. ritual and, and 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 the doing hard things and life is too easy and sometimes we need some some more difficult things you i was doing some research on you and that's how i knew you were a coffee snob amongst other things you might be the first i think you are the first guest on the adventure jogger that can say that they have a bronze statue of your grandfather in running shorts <laughs> on a college campus like not many people can say that there is a bronzed statue life-size bronze statue of their grandfather on a college campus that sent me down a rabbit hole zach like holy cow how do you grow up with a grandpa that's got a bronze statue on a college campus university of michigan flint by the way yeah yeah you know he always jokes he's like uh, i i didn't think they'd do that till after you're dead what are you guys <laughs> trying to say like do you need to tell me something um <laughs> Cause yeah, he's uh, gosh, ninety two now, still running five miles most days. Um, he, uh, yeah, so it's uh, you know, a, a lot of times in the running community, um, it's like, oh, you're Bobby Crim's grandson, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm Zach Crim, I'm my own person. <laughs> um, but uh, Bobby Crim is Zach Crim's grandpa. How about that? Um, but uh, no, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was a uh, uh, long time. Um, politician, a mm-hmm. public servant in Michigan. He was Speaker of the House. And he, uh, while he was Speaker, um, this is in the 70s, he attended a, uh, a Special Olympics event mm-hmm. as a, uh, a hugger, right, where he was at the finish line. And um, he would, uh, you know, hug participants as yeah. they finished. And he was incredibly moved by it. And this was uh, 76. So mm-hmm. jogging was kind of becoming a little bit of a thing, but it was a little more niche. And uh, so he started a, a race in Flint, Michigan, um, called the Crim 10 mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, first year, didn't know what they were doing. Started it the, the last weekend in August at noon. Um, and uh, a lot of people uh, baked, right? And, <laughs> the worst uh, time so, to start a race. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and now what, 46 years later, it's grown quite a bit. There's about 10,000 people that run it every year. It raises a ton of money for the Crim Fitness Foundation, which is grown beyond just Special Olympics to supporting uh, youth sports, uh, community events uh, in, in the Flint area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, honored to be a part of that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of become more involved in the organization as I've, as I've gotten older, uh, in 2020, um, the race didn't happen. And it's, uh, it's a huge, uh, it was going to be a huge loss for the Crim Fitness Foundation and for the programs that we support in the Flint area. Um, 
So I was happy to step up and I thought I'd do a little fundraiser. I live in Lansing and yeah. I was like, oh, I'll run uh, to the Crim finish line in downtown Flint. It's right about 100K. Yeah. So I made it. So it was exactly 100K. And I was like, oh, well, we'll try to raise some money. Uh, we ended up raising one hundred and ten thousand um, dollars. Wow. Uh, and, you know, it, it didn't race it by any means. Just, you know, jogged it waving to people as I uh, as I ran from Lansing to Flint. And it was a fantastic experience. Such an amazing thing to do and such an amazing thing to be a part of. What is it like, though? Growing up, because, you know, the, the, the Crim 10-miler turned into the Crim Festival of Races. 10,000 people are doing this thing. It's an iconic race. And, of course, it serves a, a, a great community. I mean, Special Olympics is is such an amazing organization. But it also is such a big part of Flint, Michigan, who has suffered so much over the last, you know, decade of just the whole water issue and just, you know, housing prices and all of that stuff. But all that to say, what is it like growing up in that running world where it is such a big part of your family life? Yeah, so it was interesting that I never thought of it as much of a um, sport as just something that you do, Mm -hmm. right? My dad ran five miles every day on his lunch break at work. And I just thought um, that's what adults do, right? Like that's what you do is you just go for a run every day. Um, And I remember as I got a little older realizing like, oh, maybe maybe that's not the norm. And it was one of those things where you go over to your your friend's house and it's like, oh, so how far did your dad run today? You know, it's like, oh, wait, what? Um, As you're a kid and you start to realize that things that you thought were normal growing up uh, might not be. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, it um, it was always just kind of a background hum in my life of like, that's what you do. You just run and you stay fit. I love just the thought of young Zach Krim going to a friend's house and being like, hey, does your dad and grandpa, do they run like five miles or 10 miles? Or maybe do they do 5Ks? Like, what does your dad and grandpa's daily mileage look like? And where does your grandpa's race? Like, did he start a race and where is that? Right, right. Is it, I, yeah, I was, yeah, as a kid, I remember it being a shock. I had friends over to my house one time and we had... Uh, Coke cans, Coca-Cola cans that had the Crim Race logo on them. And they were like drinking out of them. They're like, wait, why is your name on this Coke can? And, you know, I'm probably six, seven years old. I'm like, well, did, like, I didn't realize that wasn't normal. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. You don't have your name on Coke cans at your yeah, house? Yeah. So the, the, there was, um, you know, it, I'm honored to be part of it. But also, suffice to say, sometimes I, especially in the Flint area, don't always introduce myself as Zach Krim. I'll just leave it as Zach because, um, you know, there's just, uh, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot involved with that name. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, I want to be uh, respectful of that. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot connected to it, but you are so very much your own man. And it is interesting because when your grandpa, when 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 Bobby Krim was into politics, it was a different world. 
and your dad, your grandpa probably had friends on the other side of the aisle that would come out to the the crim ten miler and run. And now they just hate each other, and 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 they're you know one side pits the other side as evil Satan and baby eaters. And it was a different time back then. Yeah, yeah. One of his um, best friends was a, a, a Republican governor who he worked closely with, who helped him get a ton of stuff done. Um, you know, from uh, the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act in Michigan um, to you know. Uh, uh, workers' rights, things like that, and so he he would he'll tell stories about how yeah they were some of his best friends, and it's uh, it's not exactly the same anymore. I can tell you from working in politics myself. So, yeah. <laughs> You're like, dang it! I wish it was back in Grandpa's time. Did that because I know that you would do really well in high school wrestling. Did you get into wrestling as kind of a way to explore a sport that could just be yours, that you could live in a space that you weren't you know, Bobby Crim's grandson, you were just Zach Crim, who is really good at wrestling. You know, I thought so. Um, I came home from uh, kindergarten class, like my first week of kindergarten, waving a flyer, um, like, hey, there's a wrestling team, there's a wrestling team. Mom, dad, I wanna I wanna join the wrestling team. Dad, you know that thing that, you know, me and I, you, you and I do in the, in the living room after dinner where we wrestle, you know, like father and son, that's an actual sport, I wanna do it. And um, my dad, uh, it's like, okay, I, I figured this was coming and um, and I didn't really know. He was, I signed up for it. I started uh, going to practices and my dad never really told me until I started seeing the coaches uh, figure out who my dad was, try to pull him in to help that um, my dad was a very accomplished wrestler. <laughs> um, it, he was a, a division one state champ in high school. He wrestled for Grand Valley State University in Michigan um, and yeah, so I guess it was uh, kind of uh, destined to happen that way as well. Uh, so yes, I I did follow in, um, and my my uncle, his brother Bobby, one of Bobby's other sons, yeah. also wrestled in college. Um, so uh, I guess wrestling and running are the the family sports. <laughs> How crazy is that? Like your yeah. your dad's not like, listen, kid. I was I was a big deal back in the day. I'd put on the singlet and I would put I'd put some people down. I was a state champ, wrestled in college, and how you kind of followed in his footsteps. I will say though, as a wrestling parent, I did not wrestle because I've been a weakling my whole life, but my son really got into wrestling and we were blessed where I live in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, the high school my son went to, Clarksville High School, has an incredible wrestling coach like one of those one of those old school coaches that's life-changing that is not just your coach in wrestling but is also like this this person you look up to this god this figure that when he says certain things you're like of course i'm going to follow what coach wants me to do like i I always thought it was funny because he would make fun of of vaping he always made fun of vaping in front of the kids and none of the kids on the wrestling team would vape because they didn't want Coach Padon to, to like find out and make fun of them. So, <laughs> you know, it's so wrestling, knowing all of that, um, I know that wrestling is a life changing sport. It's really not something you can kind of halfway go into. And it's something something that really teaches work ethic and and that hard work can pay off. What are some of the things other than the fact of finding out that everyone wanted your dad to help out because he was the, he was good in college? But what what did the sport of wrestling teach you? Um, I mean, it it taught me 
a lot. There's an old Dan Gable quote, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once you've wrestled everything on everything else in life is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, it taught me, it's cliche, but a lot about work ethic. Um, you know, I haven't been running long, but I think things happen fairly quickly in running mm-hmm. uh, because wrestling taught me what it takes to get good at something, mm-hmm. right? Especially athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of uh, early morning grind, right? It's a lot. I might post on Instagram pictures of me, uh, you know, running in, in the mountains or training yeah. up north. And, and that's the the sexy romantic thing you see on the surface. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. I, I love that part of running. That's part of why I run is uh, to experience things that people don't otherwise get to experience, right? Be out there in nature, see beautiful things. Um, I want to live life and I'm lucky to be in this meat sack that happens to be able to run really far distances yeah. so I can see things other people haven't. But 99% of it is um, grinding away on a three and a half mile loop in my backyard on trails, um, you know, uh, early mornings. Um, and it's it's not glamorous, and, but I know that's what it takes to to get good at something. And I learned that from, from wrestling. And I, I spent my whole life wrestling at a, at a pretty high level, um, mm-hmm. right from five years old through college. Uh, so kind of from then on, it started to really snowball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I started to, uh, I started to live and die with every match, really every single point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a common thing in wrestling, right? I would have nightmares. I would have night terrors about losing, you know, like waking up and it was my whole identity. I didn't know who I was. Uh, and somewhere along the way, um, I think I stopped wrestling to win and I started wrestling not to lose. And that's something that I've really, I really learned from, right? Because I think that hindered my growth as not only a wrestler, but as a, as a person Yeah. Uh, that, now, what I try to bring to running is, um, you know, putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not scared of losing anymore. I'm scared of not having a chance to show what I can do. Yeah. And I want to go out there and chase that win, not run scared to try to hold off the person behind me. Because uh, I'd rather I'd rather shoot my shot and miss than win a race I'm supposed to win. Yeah. Right. And that's not how I wrestled. A lot of times I would rather you know, win a tournament I was supposed to win rather than put myself out there and uh, risk risk that loss. Um, so throughout that process, I mean, and, and one thing, one big thing I, I learned from wrestling that I take into running is just, yeah, falling in love with chasing greatness. I, I do not think I'm a great runner. I don't think I was ever a great wrestler. I think I was really good. Um, but there's this endless pursuit of greatness mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the cliche it's the journey not the destination sort of thing that uh slang was yeah the falling in love with the grind and just getting out the mud every morning going out there putting in the work uh to chase a dream that had to have been devastating for you because i mean you're a high school kid right i mean there's so much going on in high school you're trying to figure out who you are right you're trying to figure out what you're going to be when you become an adult when you leave the nest when the when the comfort of mom and dad's house disappears because all of a sudden now you're in a dorm room going to classes and you've got student loans and responsibilities and at some point and it happens to so many i mean god you see it all the time you see state champion wrestlers with opportunities to do things in college walk away because i'm done i can't do it anymore it's it's just i, I can't I, i'm leaving it i'm leaving it behind i've won three state championships and i can't do it anymore that had yeah. to have been devastating for you as a high school kid 
to discover that the whole thing you wrapped your identity around, you were Zach Krim, the wrestler. You know, that's who you were. And to realize that that didn't bring you joy and it wasn't making, it wasn't making you happy and it wasn't good for you to be able to realize that and walk away. I mean, it had to have been devastating. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I think I kind of had a um, aha moment. It was my senior year of high school at the state championship. Mm-hmm. Like going into states, I was like, 54 and one or something like that. And my one loss was an overtime to the returning state champ. Mm-hmm. And the way that we drew in the brackets in the uh, in the state tournament, I met up with him in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad pulling me aside and um, he's like, hey, no pressure, buddy. Wrestle your match and have fun. And, I, you know, he said that a lot, those kind of things. And it didn't really sink in until that moment because I wasn't supposed to win that match. Right, I had already lost to him that mm-hmm. year. Um, and I had already signed with Michigan State. I had already had a scholarship to a top 25 team in the country. Um, nobody could take that away from me. I was really here just wrestling for me for the right. first time in my that, um, that I heard the crowd gasp and stuff. And some of the, and I wrestled one of the best matches of my life. And um, so if, if you know, you're know you a, a wrestling dad, you will understand that some of the listeners might that um, I was on top with about 30 seconds to go and it was tied up. And I looked up at the clock and I looked up at my dad in the stands and I cut him. Mm-hmm. I let him up yep. just yep. To, to go down by one point. He got one point for an escape because right. you get two points for a takedown. And right. I knew with, I, with 30 seconds left, I was like, I would rather end this right here than just try to ride him out and go into overtime. And I, and I did. Um, and I, I beat him and I went on. And, uh, and that was a... Uh, that was a big moment that I look back on a lot now too. And Mm -hmm. I try to bring that energy into a lot of my races um, that no pressure. Right. And a lot of it is having perspective. Uh, You know, now being 32 is different than being 17. Yes. When I, I lived and died with everything. I didn't know, like you said, who else I was, who I was, what else I had. Uh, Now I could DNF every race and I come home to my wife and my four-year-old daughter. And uh, you know, we, I, I just have uh, my priorities straight and I treat running like it should be like a sport, mm-hmm. right? It's not who I am. It's something I do. And it's, you know, kind of surprisingly that actually helps me perform better. Um, right. When you take it less, I don't get me wrong. I take it seriously, yeah. but there's a difference, right. And in, in how you approach it. Don't kids bring perspective to your life. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I mean, as a father myself, you realize, and much like you must too, <clears throat> you've got these little beans and that they think you hang the moon. Like your yeah. kids do not, your daughter does not care that you placed third or fourth at a race. You are just this, this mythical figure. You're dad. You're this incredible, amazing man that, you know, treats mom with with love and respect and you know reads her bedtime stories and you know picks her up from school and can do can lift heavy things and you know it, it's just like when you think about and you walk in the door and it's always great when they greet you like they haven't seen you for years and you were just gone for work or whatever yeah god you get so much perspective from that don't you 
Yeah, just the, the way they look at you when you walk in the room, it makes you want to be the person they think you are. Yes. And um, and yeah, and it helps put things in perspective. Like, I think, um, you know, uh, 15 years ago, I would have been upset crossing that finish line, taking third and mm-hmm. in, in, uh, the 50K National Championships. Yeah. I'd have been like, man, I should have won that. Um, and, you know, now I celebrate that, right? I didn't, I didn't lose to two people. I won bronze. And I think a lot of that is, um, how I see myself. Uh, and that has come through how my daughter sees me as well. Yeah. It's helped me. It's, uh, you know, and, and then looking back at the younger Zach that was so hard on himself, I like to imagine, you know, nobody's cheering for me louder than younger me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think younger me would be very proud of, uh, of what I'm doing now. It'd be a long battle. It would be one of those things where it's like, oh, God, I'm glad I kind of ended. This seems like I ended up okay, but there's probably <laughs> yeah. a, a, a process to get there uh, for sure. By the way, if I took bronze at the uh, at the national 50K championships, I'd still be wearing the medal. I would. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you, I'd shower in that thing. I'd be I'd be I- so proud of that. I have to be honest, I have it in my glove box in my car right now, just so everyone's going <laughs> to pop it open and look at it. And I'm like, oh, there we go. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was a process. I mean, I was uh, I was injured early on in my college career uh, and I did lose wrestling. And I went through that period where I wasn't sure who I was. You know, I um, I kind of drifted. I partied a lot. I did, you know, and it actually took um, finding out I was going to become a father to kind of get stuff back on track. I had, I had gotten back on track, I guess, uh, professionally, mm-hmm. you know, I was, uh, had a good job and all that stuff, but, um, I definitely was not taking care of my health. Um, this was, you know, 2018, mm-hmm. um, drinking a lot, partying, uh, smoking a pack a day after I stopped, uh, wrestling, I was, uh, I went, you know, six years or so smoking a pack a day. Um, and, uh, just was, it didn't work out almost because I resented it. Right. Um, after all that time and uh, finding out I was going to become a father. It's like, all right, um, you know, I think I'm a better person when I am chasing greatness. Like we talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. about the it's not about actually achieving anything. But I think that makes me a better person. And I want to be the best person I can for this uh, young life. That I didn't even know if it was going to be a daughter or a son at that point. It was looking up to me. So um, it was August of 2018. Uh, my wife was pregnant. I- I was like, I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to see how fast I can run a mile. And I ran a mile in like 836 and threw up and sat down on the curb and smoked a cigarette um, and, uh, and was like, all right, I need to quit. I need to, to quit smoking. I need to get back in shape and let's do this. Um, and uh, so started running a year later. I ran my first 50K and uh, won that and set the course record. And it all just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and yeah, in the last couple years, uh, it's uh, it's really taken off. Um, but I think a lot of that is, uh, like I said, it's just lessons I learned from wrestling about what it takes if you really want to dedicate yourself to something. That's so incredible, that path you were on, the self-destructive path. You know, I mean, you go from you have to be really physically fit to be a college wrestler. You can't you can't fake your way. You can fake your way through middle school, but you ain't faking your way to a state championship and you ain't faking your way on a college, you know, team. Yeah, you got to be you got to be cut and in shape. What 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 weight class were you wrestling in? 
125 in college. Oh, yes. Um, Caught a lot of weight. I wrestled 125 uh, when I was 14, and I wrestled 125 for Michigan State. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, And uh, But I I think that's a fairly common journey for – we'll say elite athletes, mm-hmm. you know, if they, uh, especially when you're younger, right? If you lose your sport and and suddenly too, I didn't have closure. I wasn't ready to be done wrestling. The, the character arc hadn't completed, right? right? I felt like I was in the middle of my second act there and it was ripped away from me. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a mourning period, right? And, and I just, it was a little longer than I would have liked, but um, I think a lot of people tend to drift after that. Um, and uh, not saying to, to go have a kid to solve your problems. <laughs> right, that's but, not what we're recommending. Uh, yeah, that's not the message I'm sending. Please don't take that away from this. But uh, for me, it was the the kind of shake that I needed to uh, to find to to find myself again, right? Um, to to kind of look look inward and um, remember who I am. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Was the decision to, to, because there's a lot of avenues you could have gone, Zach, when you know, when your wife tells you, hey, hey, Zach, guess what? Guess what, chain smoker? You're going to be <laughs> responsible for a little bean in, in in nine or eight months. And you have this revelation of, oh, my God, I've, I've been in this downward spiral ever since I had to walk off the mat for the last time. You had, had a lot of options. You know, you could have gone into triathlon or, or kickboxing or CrossFit or you know, there's a million different options. Why running? Why was that your avenue to bring yourself out of this funk you know i uh i think a lot of it was the example that was set for me as a kid where it just seems so natural that it's Mm -hmm. like oh if you want to get in shape as an adult uh that's kind of what you do and it was a way to stay competitive right because i know i know that's what drives me and then trail running in some ways started as a way to um uh hide my lack of fitness because i didn't even want to run on the roads because i was like i don't want people to drive by and see me like struggling if i i can run in the trails and i can get fit and i can um i i can kind of quietly um find myself again and then my love of trails grew from grew from there um and i grew up playing and running on the trails it was just a very natural thing to me um but uh yeah i think it um you know, and it's also uh, a, running can be a bit of a suffer fest, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what I uh, needed at that point in my life, just a little bit. <laughs> that is, that's to say that you know you you went to the trails because you could hide there, like there would be no place for anyone to judge. Because I'm, I'm, I assume too, and you can tell tell me if I'm wrong. You know, you're you're Zach Krim. Your state champion wrestler. You're the kid who went to Michigan State on a wrestling scholarship. You're also Bobby Crim's grandson. You know the guy who came up with the Crim ten miler and the the Crim running fe- uh, festival of races. All of that, and you're like, I'm out of shape. If these yeah. if these people could see where I am now, my God, I can't I can't let them see me like this. Yeah, and you know I knew where I could get to, and I was. Um 
I just didn't want anyone to see the sausage get made. And maybe that's not the right approach. Maybe that's why, you know, I, I like, I like this opportunity to talk about that journey a little more now, because mm-hmm. maybe it can be helpful to somebody. Maybe it would have been helpful to somebody to see that progression. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready for that, you know, and I didn't know where it would take me. I, so my, as I was running, I was like getting back in shape and, uh, six months after I quit smoking, I jumped into a half marathon because mm-hmm. I was like, I've never ran a half marathon. Let's, uh, let's just see how this goes. I, you know, and this is my celebration of, of six months, uh, smoke free. And I, I ran like a, nothing crazy fast, but I ran like a 124 or something. Yeah. I was like, um, okay, maybe I can be okay at this. Um, if I just started and then, um, I realized in training for that, that my absolute favorite runs were long runs on the trails, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I could just sort of lose myself in my thoughts and it was therapeutic. And um, so then I decided, okay, I'm going to sign up uh, another six months from now for my first 50K. Um, and, uh, you know, skipped the marathon thing altogether and just yeah. kind of went to the trails. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, so that was sort of my, my journey back into running. Think about to all the money you saved. A pack a day smoker would pack a six bucks, right? Per oh, day. I still have an app on my phone that tracks how much money I saved. Um, yeah, that it's in like over ten thousand dollars <laughs> now because every once in a while I still like to pull that open and uh, and laugh at that. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a me that um, my daughter might hear about, but she'll never she'll never know. You know, well, uh, which I'm, I'm glad you have to you have to get the app that's going to remove what you spend in running now because uh, running shoes are getting more expensive. And even though you are on Team Rabbit, um, those shirts worth every penny. And I'm not getting paid to say this. Um, I have a whole bunch of rabbit running shirts uh, that were gifted to me by a friend who didn't like the way they fit his his body. But he goes, you know, what? we're about the same size here. Enjoy these. Um, but so all of that. But still, you're way ahead, even with the expense of running stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, right, I, I I bought rabbit gear before I was on the team, and so yeah, it's um, it's definitely, uh, but it's worth it. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's not have that app for my wife because I don't. <laughs> let's, let's pretend like we're all in the green, right? Right, exactly. It's all good. Do you have? Do you wear the button up rabbit shirts? Oh, the this collar? is one right here, actually. Oh, yes. That's the long sleeve. Is that the long sleeve? Yeah, yeah. I have it rolled up. But, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better apparel sponsor because uh, not only do I get my running clothes from them, but I can also get my whole work wardrobe pretty much. <laughs> I, 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 there's no other sponsor I could have that would cover both those bases. So, um, yeah, it, it works out. <laughs> my wife is like, I remember the first time I wore that button-up rabbit shirt out in a run. My wife's like, what are you going to church? It's <laughs> like, yeah. like, I could. <laughs> I, uh, gosh, I, I won uh, a race last year, the Pike Lake 60K. Yeah. I'm wearing one of their button ups. And it was like a joke where everyone was like, what is this guy wearing? <laughs> like he said, and, and um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. They, they work. It's nice. And it's hot out. I find that if you put ice in the pockets, if it's yeah. hot, that's a game changer. You didn't think you could put anything in those pockets. They're just for decoration, but you load them bad boys up with ice. And boy, that does a number on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're great, great shirts. Um, <laughs> you seem like you really, like, you didn't put in the hard work and the grind, but you really seem to have a natural talent for running. I mean, to run a 120-something for your first, you know, half marathon, there's people that will train for years and never be able to run that. 
And then to do what you did just recently at the, the U.S., the National 50K Championship, just over five hours for a 50K and to take home the bronze, I mean, you do have some natural ability with the running. I mean, it may have to do with your, with your, with your legacy. <laughs> Maybe just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I would love to say that I'm like, ah, oh, it's just all hard work and it's, uh, it's, I'm so tough, but no, I'm sure there's a significant, um, uh, genetic, uh, physiological component there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, like I said, it's, well, we talked about my dad's side. My mom was a stellar athlete as well. Um, and a, a very elite, uh, cheerleader flyer the one they throw up in the air so um a lot of those coordination and core strength um skills probably translated to wrestling as well so that was probably in my blood from a uh i I couldn't avoid that but um yeah i uh i i think um that definitely helped motivate me to uh to put in the work was i saw very early on like i think i might have a knack for this how does a person who grew up with the example of running is something you do every single day um, for not only your father, but your grandfather and someone that grew up in a sport that requires hard, hard work and discipline, and that being wrestling um, throughout high school and or through, you know elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. How does that inform your ultra training? Oh, um, you know... I think I have, uh, the training strategy I kind of try to use now is um, I train for my best day, right? I put in the work. Um, I'm not training to mitigate risk, right? I'm not training to not embarrass myself and run um, uh, okay race. I'm not training for my average day. Um, I'm training for the perfect race. Uh, and. I think a lot of times I'll, I will go over like worst case scenarios, um, mm-hmm. like how to tough it out, how to gut it out. Like, let's say I roll my ankle early on. Um, I, I've envisioned all of that, but overall I am training, um, for that day when everything comes together. Um, cause I think a lot of times, um, there, even earlier on in my running career, I was training to mitigate risk. I was training to not embarrass myself, right? I was training to, um, I didn't want to have a flop race. Uh, and now, um, you know, I, I kind of want to put myself out there. And I, I think that paid off at the 50K National Championships mm-hmm. where around the halfway point, I was in 10th place. And um, I, I knew that it got really technical and really hilly. And I knew that um, speaking of natural talent, I think that's a little more my strength because I'm a little uh, stockier, I guess, yeah. than the average runner. Um, so it's like climbing and technical descents um have that i have that like core strength and, and center of balance there so uh, i knew i had put together my training plan to be able to if i was within striking distance in that those last 15 miles to really put the hammer down and um you know i, I wasn't training to run a smooth solid steady middle of the pack race it was like i had a specific thing and all of my training was structured around that a lot of really fast finish long runs Right. Um, so I think that uh, that really worked out for me um, at, in New Hampshire uh, a few weeks ago um, because I was able to yeah move up from 10th to third over those last, uh, you know, 15 miles or so. So it sounds like you almost envisioned like I'm going to the, if the perfect day presents itself, the perfect day is the, the first half of this course is not as hilly and technical. The second half of the course is. And if I can put myself and train to be ready 
to gobble up people ahead of me on difficult terrain, that would be the best. The best day would be that opportunity. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's a lot of visualization, um, the perfect race, you know, I'll, I'll never probably never catch that perfect race, yeah. but that's, that's the goal every time we go out. And, um, and yeah, the first, the first half of the race, like the first 10 miles or so are a little more like fire road, um, dirt road situation where it's kind of rolling Hills, but it's one where everyone's going out at like six minute pace or so. And, um, and that's not my strength. My strength is the really technical stuff at the end where I can be, um, moving 12 minute pace and passing someone who's going 13. Yeah. Um, because it's, uh, it's just not runnable. Um, and I guess that's where I excel is running stuff. That's not really runnable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I studied the course profile. I had talked to people who had ran this course before and I knew that's how it was. Um, so yeah, that, that was the plan going in was to stay relevant, stay in the mix. Um, right. Don't let anybody get too far ahead of me. Um, but, uh, I definitely didn't want to be leading at the halfway point. Um, I wanted to start rolling some people up. So I can imagine you picked this race in New Hampshire, which was the, the, the 50 K national championship. You, you did your scouting, you did your reports, you did all that. And did you, before you even start training for this race, you've signed up for it. Do you just take some time Maybe it's out on the uh, on the trail for an easy run or something. And do you just kind of let your your mind kind of put together what you think the perfect race would be? How does the visualization start? Yeah. So I you of course you always want to work on your weaknesses, but mm-hmm. I have found it works better for me to figure out where my strengths are and double down on that, right? And so I was like, okay, um I'm never going to be the fastest guy on those rolling hills that are smooth and runnable. Um, I think, you know, one of the guys I, I passed right near the end at the top of Ragged Mountain with like two miles to go is like a, he just ran a 217 marathon, like not too long before this. And I was like, I'm, I'm never going to pass that guy there. Right. So there's no point in, um, in going, you know, putting too much stock and trying to get faster on the really runnable stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm good on technical stuff. I'm going to double down on it. Every trail I ran, I would take the worst line on purpose in training um, so I could work on my footwork. I would drive way far up north in Michigan up to the Upper Peninsula to find the most um, kind of just gnarly, rugged trails I could and uh, work on, you know, tempo runs on that, finishing fast after a long run um, so that I, you know, yeah, just figuring out what my strengths are and figuring out how to really... uh, you know, turn the screws on them. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I, this is the first I've really had a discussion with someone about this method of training. So often, Zach, you hear, you know what your strengths are. Work on your weaknesses. Work on your weaknesses. Where are you weak? Where are you weak? But looking at yourself objectively 
and trying to figure out, okay, what are the strengths of Zach Krim as a runner? Okay, I'm really good at technical stuff. I'm not the fastest guy. I mean, not slow by any stretch of the imaginations, but I, I am good at technical stuff and I could kick at the end like it's nobody's business. And saying to yourself, you know what? I'm going to train to make those stronger. I'm going to double down on my strengths, like you said. Instead of just going, well, my strengths are there and they'll always be there. I'm going to work on my weaknesses. I'm going to do more speed work. I'm going to do more flat stuff. To double down on your strengths. I, I, that is a very interesting training approach and I really kind of dig it. And it could have blown up in my face, right? Because that's, that's what I mean by I was training for my best race, yeah. right? Because if that didn't work out, I could have uh, finished way further back. If I would have, if I focus on training my weaknesses, I can become probably more well-rounded as a runner and I can, you know, finish, you know, if, if we were to run this race a hundred times, I would probably have a better average finish if I had worked on my, mm -hmm. my weaknesses, right? Um, and just become more well-rounded. But if I really focus on becoming the best at what I think I'm good at, climbing, technical, fast finish, um, and pick a course that uh, really lends itself to that, then when everything does come together, it can really come together, right? And sometimes everything just works out. Mentally, talking about a feedback loop that you're creating, when you're doubling down on your strengths, I mean, you know, like, that's good. I'm good at this. And I'm going to get better at this. And you probably enjoy it. We all just naturally enjoy things that we're better at and that yeah. we're good at. And putting yourself in a situation to enjoy what you're good at and do more of what you're good at and having those more like more successes, right? Like having these more these mental victories of, you know, that when you take this route this rocky route normally it takes you this long but today it took you two minutes you know less and that's a little 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 victory a little mental victory that you stack up on top of each other all these mental victories where a, a, a weakness based approach you are dealing with disappointment over and over and over again because you're dealing with things you're not good at yeah. And I, I get more joy out of it. Right. I mean, that that's the end goal always is, is before uh, anything we do, it should be that we're, we want to be fulfilled and um, it helps, you know, leading into the race with self-confidence and all of that stuff. Um, if I am just uh, feeling good about myself and good about my training and I can look back um, and really see some, some training runs in there that, um, let me know that I can compete on a high level mm -hmm. where if you're working on stuff that are your weaknesses, um, you may not get that sort of confidence from those same training runs. Then not to say I don't work on speed work, right? right? Um, you know, I, that, that's, that's, uh, I don't want that to be the takeaway either. I still right. do some good, um, you know, tempo runs in there and, and stuff like that. Uh, just to, to keep that, I do strides probably three days a week, mm -hmm. um, just to make sure I keep that turnover up there. But um, I think too often people just completely focus on trying to balance their um, stats, so to speak, instead of really pouring their XP, their experience of this sort of video game yeah. into, uh, into to maxing out what they can max out. I love it. That is so, this is such an interesting way to look at training and to basically the foundation is pick a race 
and picture your perfect day. Picture your yeah. perfect day at that race and train to put yourself in a situation where you, if that perfect day presents itself, and that's the big difference too. You, you said this, don't train to expect the perfect day train to be ready if the perfect day presents itself yes yeah right you have to be prepared to take advantage of that and there was part part way through that race i was like oh i think this is all coming together yeah i think and, and and you get confidence from that and you get that second wind and it's like all right this is what we prepared for let's and you know like i said it can blow up in your face i raced um in May, I raced the Trail Marathon National Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I came in, I think, 15th mm-hmm. there. Um, so it didn't come together, right? I had my training plan and it just, it didn't come together that day. And actually that was a great race for me though, because I think I've raced uh, 20, maybe trail race ultras. And that was the first time I missed the podium. And um, that was also a great learning experience and took even more pressure off me because I was like, all right, no pressure here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, just running to run and sometimes you're going to take 15th right and probably more times than not you're going to take 15th but um i would rather take 15th and then make the podium at a big race once than keep taking eighth or tenth right right if, if that's the point you're training to mitigate risk you're not really putting yourself out there i don't think that for me that would be as fulfilling i have to believe that if, if you don't believe that you can win um, I don't really want to tow the starting line. That doesn't mean I think I'm going to win, right? Um, I need to, if, if someone tells me you have a one in 1,000 shot of winning this race, awesome. I'll take it, right? <laughs> right. I need to be able to uh, to roll the dice and put myself out there. And um, all it takes is one time for it to come together rather than um, just trying to, uh, trying to not lose too bad and just, uh, you know, stay in the middle of the pack. We talked a little bit about earlier in the podcast about perspective and, and, and the, the beauty of children, how they give that to us. Yeah. Um, but mentally, all of this you're talking about training for the, you know, visualizing the perfect day, training yourself in a way that will allow you to take advantage of the perfect day if it presents itself, but also being okay with the fact that you may blow up and the day may not be perfect and that's okay. How did someone who would would wake up in terror in the middle of the night because they had a nightmare that they lost a wrestling match get to be get to the point in their life where they're okay with I came in 15th that's fine yeah i think um i finally realized that it's it's a sport right it's um it's not life or death and i think wrestling can sometimes um lend itself even more to taking it too seriously because there's something so primal and gladiatorial about it. Um, and and you can really feel, I don't know, emasculated when you lose. You were just physically dominated by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, so I don't know if I would have gotten to that same point in wrestling. And sometimes I don't know if that is, would be, this mentality would be as productive in wrestling, right? Um, because in, in wrestling, you are trying to control the situation. Part of my journey in running, I've it's been kind of letting go of control, yeah. which is a tough thing for me in any part of life. Yeah. Uh, right? Because you're, um, you're not fighting the trail in the same way you're trying to f- physically fight somebody else. You're not trying to control the match. Um, 
you're you're just riding the trail. It's like surfing, right? You can't control nature. You just got to let go and you you're not competing against the trail. You're running with the trail. Right. I'm not competing against everyone around me as much as I am running with them. And don't get me wrong, at the end of the race, then we then it's time to race. Right. But um, kind of just feeling that flow. And I think um, I think one of the differences in, is in wrestling, you're really trying to inflict pain. Like I said, you're trying to control the situation in running. You're experiencing pain along with everybody else. So you can inflict it by picking up the pace a little bit, mm-hmm. but you're all just holding hands, walking on hot coals together. And, um, and so that you have to have a little bit more of a Zen approach, um, and be able to, uh, just take what the day presents, take what the day gives you run your best race and let the chips fall where they may. Was that the approach from that first run was the first run a riding the wave or was the first run? I'm going to beat the trail into what I want it to do. I'm going to control this rate, this run. At the marathon national championship. Well, just just let's go back even to the first run that you did, where it was eight and a half minutes, and you threw up afterwards after you quit smoking. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely because that's the only way I knew. Right, is I was going to beat that trail into submission. I was going to conquer that that run, and instead of um, running with it, you know, and uh, and I think that's uh, not only helps me perform better, but um, it just makes me happier. Right. I mean, yeah. it's at some point, at some point you just are wasting all this energy. You're wasting all this. You're, you're just tense. And, um, and I think you, uh, learning to let go a little bit has been good for me both athletically and, uh, and personally. <laughs> Was there an aha moment for you early on in your training where maybe you experienced a, a runner's high or, or, or a state of flow where you felt one with the trail or whatever, where it, it kind of made you go like, wait a minute. I can't force the trail to do what I want it to do. I can't manipulate the trail. I have to take what it gives me and I have no control in the situation. I think there were a few, um, right? Uh, I think um, there was a point during uh, during the pandemic where uh, my uh, good buddy, uh, training partner, uh, Chaz Hornberg, mm-hmm. who's also a very elite runner and I, were chasing a lot of FKTs. And... Um, that sense of racing by yourself kind of gives you a little bit of a different perspective on it, right? Where you're just um, you're just running your best race. You're running that trail as fast as you possibly can. Um, you're running with the trail. You're not uh, directly looking around and seeing people you're competing against. Right. Um, so it gave a little more of a sense of, um, I, I had never really experienced competing with myself. Because r- wrestling, that's just not a thing. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and there were some, uh, and, and Chaz did help me out a lot with this. I, I kept taking wrong turns and just because I was hammering so hard on different FKTs. And he's like, hey, man, stopping for five seconds to look at a map and taking a breath and, and relaxing is going to save you time in the long run as opposed to all this backtracking you're yeah. doing. And, uh, and that sort of mentality, um, I think, helped me out a lot with this. And it's it's gone it's gone well from there. You've you've adjusted yes. into a method. You're getting into a rhythm. Where do you want to go? Like where you know third place bronze finish is a good finish. But what are your goals, Zach, for the rest of this year and even for next year? Um, I mean, first I always have to say my top goal, my A goal, is have fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I really want to take advantage of, of the 
the fitness that I have right now, the time that I'm in, um, it's because uh, uh, you never know when it'll be taken away. Wrestling was taken away from me very abruptly. And so I don't take anything for granted. Uh, I try to think, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll live a long life. And if I'm 100 years uh, old and uh, I had a time machine and could come back to this moment for one day, I would want to make the absolute most of it. So that's what I'm trying to do right now is make the absolute most of every single uh, every single race I run. Uh, I would love to uh, run CCC. Um, I think that would fit my skill set well mm-hmm. to be a little more specific about a goal. Um, yeah. My next race um, in just a few weeks here, I'm racing the Grindstone 100K in Virginia, yep. um, which is a UTMB World Series race. So top three automatically qualify and it's a uh, Western States Golden Ticket race. Uh, so that one will be kind of uh, a next level race, testing my fitness there. And then um, and then later this year, I'm racing the Pike Lake 60K again. Fantastic race in Southern Ohio. Can't say enough about that race. Um, love it. Love the race director, Sam. Love the the men, the just atmosphere there. And that's sort of uh, a race I'm doing for me. A little, they're all you know for me, but a yeah. little more fun. And then um, April, I'm racing the Canyons 100K out in California next year, which is also UTMB World Series and Golden Ticket race. So Grindstone 100K and Canyons 100K are two shots to to punch my ticket uh, automatically to go to CCC or Western States. And going back to that, like, um, I don't, uh, I don't think I'm a favorite by any means to win a golden ticket. Uh, I think I'm a very, very long shot, but that means I have a shot and I'll take that shot. If it's one in a thousand, you know, I, I'd rather shoot my shot and take 50th place there than, uh, than never take that shot and wonder what if. So you've had that moment of, of visualization on Grindstone, haven't you? You know exactly what the perfect day at Grindstone looks like for you. It's specifically, I, I hope the weather cooperates because part of the perfect day for me at Grindstone would be a very hot and humid day because I know I'll be racing. There's a lot of guys on the sign-up uh, sheet from the Alps as well as the Rockies and stuff mm-hmm. um, here in the U.S. And uh, they're really good at climbing. They have that, um, you know, uh, high red blood cell count from the altitude and all that but it's not very humid in the alps or the rockies and so if we have a real you know virginia can be a swamp if we have a real hot humid day down there um that will definitely favor me so i've been doing a ton of heat training sauna training here to make sure i'm really heat acclimated so um if uh if we do happen to get a heat wave uh i have tripled down on that and uh i'm i'm ready for uh, in a lot of the the heat training I've been doing is so I'll, I'll drive my car to a, a trailhead a lot yeah. and I'll purposely park in the sunniest place I can and uh, and then I'll go for my long run and then I'll get in the car all the windows up no AC immediately so it's just hot and muggy 100% humidity in there uh, and drive home like an hour that way um, so <laughs> I uh, so I, I know that I can take uh, heat and humidity. Um, very well uh physiologically right now so that would be an ideal day for me uh if that doesn't happen i think i can still run a good race but um yeah i'm prepared for that i'm glad you gave me your heat training because i was about to say to you michigan humidity is not virginia humidity but it seems like you've got it under control no no and then you know you also have the the towel uh, some tricks i even learned from wrestling cutting weight you know you do the 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 shower sauna where you turn on the hot water in the shower and tuck a towel under the door and turn that into a steam room. And then you just go sit in there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of tricks for that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we get a cool, if we get a heat wave, that would be awesome. Uh, if not, it's also still a, uh, 
it's an Appalachian trail. So it's kind of rugged and hilly. Um, and it's also not high altitude because coming from Michigan, I'm not that health altitude acclimated. Right. Um, so there's a lot of climbing, but not a lot of actual altitude, which suits me as well. But you want to punch that ticket. Sounds like you want to, you want to go to the big show out in Auburn. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, you know, uh, no matter what, though, I'll uh, I'll be able to sleep well knowing that I uh, I put in the training. I, uh, I I gave it my best shot, and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Do you ever have the 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 desire to? I'm sure you can probably get a discount code to run the the Crim ten miler. Oh, I do every year. Oh, good. Okay, I, I was I was yeah. like wondering, like you're like I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to mix those two things. Oh no, I do every year. It's uh, the the atmosphere down there is electric. Anybody from the area, I suggest you come to to Flint. It's it's actually a huge race too, with big prize money. We have people coming from all over the world, Africa and yeah. stuff, come to run it every year. And uh, but the last few years, I have ran it with my wife. Um, so I don't race it. Um, we just jog it together. Um, the last three years now. Yeah, my my daughter has run the one mile as well. And then oh, that's fantastic. Track. But uh, yeah, her first year, she was two years old. She finished the one mile in like 22 minutes or something like yeah. that. Uh, she she loves she loves to go on her evening jogs. Um, we have a our, our neighborhood. She runs either a half mile or a mile around her neighborhood. She's four and a half years old. But because she's learning that that mom and dad run every day. That's just what you do. She's like, I need to go on my daily jog. Um, and she'll uh, so she'll go outside and lace up and uh and we'll go with her so uh, hopefully we're building those good habits not that it has to be you know running but right, um just right. to, just you know being healthy being active and working towards goals and uh she uh so it's a good family event i i never i did sort of race it a few years ago i did a progression workout mm-hmm. um on it uh like use the race as a workout but um typically i just like to uh jog it uh there's bands the whole way and stuff there's music there's people lining the streets and just wave and have a good time um you talked about your warped sense of reality that you had to come to terms with when you went to a friend's house can you imagine what that little girl's got to deal with here this yeah. yes this little girl this little four-year-old here's her life mom and dad run every day grandpa runs every day and great grandpa runs every day oh and by the way great grandpa's got a bronze statue on the university of michigan flint campus with him in running shorts and grandpa and there's a race with her last name like can you (laughs) in her just at preschool like oh hey my daddy runs a hundred miles and the teacher like okay sure he does right um you know pat her on the head it's like her what's funny is her perception of distance is so far off because she'll run like a mile and she'll be like, that was probably 50 miles, right? <laughs> and I'm like, because she'll hear us throw around these kind of numbers. And I'm like, uh, almost. <laughs> I can imagine too that your grandfather, Bobby, seeing his great granddaughter be involved in that race with the family name, that has to be, that has to be so sweet for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, four generations of, um, you know, because my dad runs it every year mm-hmm. as well. Um, and uh, yeah, then me and my daughter, um, we just uh, it's a whole crim family, uh, crim family event. And uh, it's it's something I'm very happy to uh, to bring her into. Now that moment's going to happen, though. She's going to find out that not everyone's has a family race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. <laughs> 
Uh, oh man, yeah, I'll uh, yeah. There's there's quite a few things that um, she uh, she's gonna find out are are not quite normal, but uh, that's that's something we all go through. You may want to prep her. Be like, listen, sweet sweetheart, sit down. Listen, first of all, not everyone does what your mom and dad does. Okay, like most dads don't run a hundred miles. And if you tell people that your dad runs a hundred miles, they're going to think you're making it up. <laughs> and she's, I mean, even like, you know, her, my, my training partner, Chaz, her uncle Chaz, you know, runs a hundred miles too. So like a lot of the adults that she yes. um, associates with are, uh, are, are runners as well. So yeah, we're going to have to have that talk. I had the weirdest thing happen. My wife is a middle school math teacher. She teaches seventh grade math. And apparently some of her students tried to Google her. And then in her Google search for my wife, for Mrs. Pluckelman, they came across Mrs. Pluckelman's husband, Ryan Pluckelman. And they were like, Mrs. Pluckelman, your husband ran a hundred miles. <laughs> that was like, like the, the shocking moment of what? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. Uh, hey, I don't even like to drive that far either. Yes. I'm just going to head that question off that I don't like to drive that far. <laughs> and by the way, she was asked, does your husband know David Goggins? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Now we stay soft around here. Yeah. Yeah. We're a soft family. And you're gonna have to see, yeah. Someday your, your daughter's going to come home and say, Dad, do you know David Goggins? And you're like, no, honey. <laughs> oh, no. No, honey. I don't. 